We were kind of just talking about just poetry in general and how you guys didn't like it. Oh, the whole the whole thing about symbolism and all mm-hmm. that. Oh, yes, and I think well, would like a cheat sheet. Yeah. yeah oh, what all those stuff. things mean? Like a gloss yeah. or something at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should we introduce this episode? Do it. I think you should. You think I should? The gravelly Somebody voice. Should. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and Batman it up. Batman. Oh, man. <laughs> Do your best, Adam West. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. You're listening <laughs> to the Long Overdue Podcast. <laughs> no, for real. This is the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. Hello. Hi. This is, hey. Yeah, we're all here today. It's we're Dawn, all here. Dawn and Pat and Denise and... And me, it's Chris, if you can't recognize my voice. <laughs> not a new person. No, it's not a new it. person. Um, yeah, we were just talking about poetry, and we were con- going to continue. We're going to continue. Talking huh? about poetry, because it is National Poetry Month. It is. April is National Poetry Month. Mm-hmm. That's why I always hated my, my English teachers, because they're like, what did this mean? I'm like, I don't know. It was just a good story. I just liked reading the book. <laughs> so that's why I, I hated poetry units. Yes. Oh, they were Especially. the worst. Let's write the poetry interpretation of this poem. Well, why does a white lily always have to mean that thing? It can mean whatever that person wants it to mean. Does mm-hmm. a white lily always mean death? Yeah, <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. It it's poetry. Like Everything means <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, there's that. <laughs> it's either about love or death. Shakespeare hates your emo poetry. That's right, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that I hated that in school as well. It's like marriage and a funeral. It's all the same thing. It's, all, it's the same thing. <laughs> okay, sorry, Chris. You were trying to say something. Oh, no, it's fine. I was going to say I hated that in school as well. Whereas, like, what is the symbolism of this? And what does this mean? And if you make up something that makes sense to you, it's wrong. Is it? Because that's not what the standard right, it's not whatever the symbol the accepted. blah blah the but thing they is. they don't well, give you a list of all those things. Nobody knows that stuff except you. And nobody cares, including How you. How would you know unless you had been immersed in that? Unless someone for, told you. Right. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's, they should give you that. As a cheat sheet, so that you can learn that stuff in poetry. Because otherwise, like you said, how are you going to know? You don't learn it unless somebody tells you. Hello? I just, I didn't gain an appreciation for things like that until later, until I had expanded my reading and I had read enough things to make connections. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I mean, this is true for a lot of things, really, but... But at some point, you don't get it, and then you pretend like you're getting it. So you're just like, well, this symbolizes this because, and you're just going playing, going through the motions, and then at some point, you get it, and it's like, all these things are connected. Mm-hmm. You just you're, and then Isn't it's that learning. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's true in a lot of things, but but since I'm a you know literature major. And and that's something that I like hated at one point, and then I found out that I really love that mm-hmm. in stories and stuff. I still am going to balk at somebody telling me there is one right way to interpret poetry mm-hmm. or literature. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah because sure. you don't that. So you get griped at. For the intentional fallacy, mm-hmm. what did the author intend? Well, it doesn't matter. It's what the it's what the reader takes mm-hmm. from, and also you know you don't know what the writer but intended. But then you get to poetry, <laughs> and they say, "Well, what does it mean?" Well, I don't know. I don't care. And if I say what it means to me, that is not correct. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been told that over and over and over. But I thought that that's what poetry was all about. Mm-hmm. That is what poetry is all about. It is. It's supposed to be. Unless you're in school and it's getting graded. Yeah. Unless you're in school and it's getting graded, then it's what somebody else tells you it means. Yeah, who is Yeah, because you're not in their that's, head. That's a, that's a Peanuts cartoon. What does poetry mean? Whatever they tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's Sally and Charlie Brown. I will her. say in my, what is it? It's the class that you're supposed to take before you take all your literature classes. 
if you're a major but nobody takes it until the last semester because it always fills up so fast. What's that? Uh, it's like I don't know, like English thirty oh one or so. I don't know interpretation and analysis or something like oh, that. Oh, that's a bit hooey. Yeah. So I I hated that class because I had already taken all my <laughs> literature classes and now I'm taking this class that's telling me that I've been doing it wrong the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. and and so as an act of defiance, I wrote I think that it was like a three or four page essay or something like that on a four-line poem about a chicken. Wow. Yeah. The chicken always represents death, too. I got an, I got an A. <laughs> what in my house, it sure does. I got an A. <laughs> I think I got an A for audacity. <laughs> which is kind of what I was going for. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, what in the verse don't? <laughs> so, and, and also what I take from what you said, Chris, is that poetry made more sense to you later in life when you've had more experiences so trying to teach children a whole lot about poetry is not does not necessarily make the most sense right yeah and i still am not very great at poetry i just mean like literature in in general but yeah. but there's a lot of the same elements in poetry mm-hmm. i just it's just not my thing that's all but well, yeah I, I agree with that yes i think poetry has changed a lot because it used to be very structured, and now it's like you can write about what you feel, about what you know, and um, in any form, mm-hmm. yeah, too, yeah. So my son was dreading his poetry unit coming up, and I think that was the best unit he had because he wrote about something he knew about mm-hmm. and what he enjoyed doing, and um, he did well. So, uh, although I will say that. I enjoy poetry much more when I just read it mm-hmm. for the sound than when I'm trying to Analyze. understand and interpret. Uh-huh. Just let me listen to the flow of the words and take it for whatever I get and be done. Hmm. Hmm. I do enjoy poetry, Interesting. but I enjoy certain kinds of poetry. And I think it um, it kind of goes back to that hidden meaning. Hmm. You know, I read it for face value a lot of yeah, times. I do. I'm pretty much a face value person. If there's a raven in the sky, there's just a raven in the sky. It's not death flying after me. It's body. not? I'm pretty sure it is. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought for sure that it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And let me just say, poetry can be awesome. Can be. Can be. (laughs) Unless you have to work too hard. (laughs) Unless your teacher is making you study it. If you can just, you know, read it on your own. Well, I think that maybe that's part of the problem is in school, they don't really teach you to enjoy poetry they right. teach you poetry like work like in order to really enjoy it you have to work at it i don't know if it's about in, like really enjoying it i think it's to really understand it you to have understand to it. work at it and i think that's where we, you lose the magic yeah yeah which it's is like it's like having to analyze your favorite song lyrics mm-hmm. which i would much rather do that <laughs> now yeah. than um just starting out learning it. I, I mean, that's right. the fun part first, well, and, and then and you I can think go that's back a whole yeah. lot of it. I yeah. think I think if you if you had a foundation where you just enjoyed the language for what it is, mm-hmm. enjoy the sound, enjoy the the way the words flow, whatever it is, and then later after life experience, you think, huh, maybe there's a little more to this mm-hmm. instead of here is poetry. Now, it means these seven layers of things, mm-hmm. and you have to figure it out. Nobody's going to help you. For example, wow. going back to your music, yeah, um, I would sing along with all kinds of music. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, I want to say, not very many years ago, I just, my jaw hit the floor when I was listening to some songs. <laughs> I, I do believe going, we did a whole episode about this. Yeah. <laughs> So, just saying, you well, do just understand saying. things more. Well, we, found, well, we found out what all, like, pretty much 99% of songs mean. Oh, my. Yeah. 
rock and roll songs from the 50s on mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. just really find out what those are about holy cow now they just say it yeah, yeah. it's not subtle anymore there's no, no yeah. that's true no we, have, we have lost the subtlety <laughs> hmm. because culture doesn't demand it it's like yeah just be direct yeah well it's a lot easier to say i don't like that song mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> Then, I love that song. It means what? <laughs> no, I hate that song. It's tainted. <laughs> right. I still like the it. song. I like the music. I like the poetry, but I don't like what it means. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But I think about that when, you know, children are listening to songs and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're listening to that song. But they don't really understand yeah, it. They don't idea. know. Mm-hmm. Same right. with poetry. They don't know what it means. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. that. If you would start with it with just enjoying something, then you're more likely to go back and yeah. investigate it further. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I know in elementary school, fourth grade maybe, as young as third, I know in fifth grade, they they do their poetry units and part of what a lot of a lot of times they have to do is let's write a haiku. Mm-hmm. Oh, good choice. One of the most difficult mm-hmm. forms to write in. And you've got kids who are just being introduced to poetry in any sort of intentional manner, and you're forcing them to do this really hard thing. Instead of, let's do something with four strong beats in a line, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, which is so much easier than, you know... 17 syllables, blah, 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 this, this, mm-hmm. and it has to make sense. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> and it's supposed <laughs> to be about nature, but it doesn't have to be because we're really loose with what haiku means these days. Yes. But That's true. What's yeah. a haiku? Five, Maybe. Seven, five, seven, five. Five, seven, five. Maybe I'll write a haiku about this right here. Okay, so let's, let's um, be more specific for our listeners. Five words in the or five, five words or syllables, syllables, syllables in the first line, in seven first syllables line. in uh-huh. the second line, and five again in the mm-hmm. third. But it's pretty specific. Like I thought it was specific to parts of speech and all that kind of thing too. That like the the third line had to be, I don't know, adjectives or something. I don't know. That's hmm. what I thought I remembered, but maybe that was just something else. It could be a rule. I don't know. It could be a rule. And we probably threw it out with the whole nature thing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that That's could probably be. true. We're like, this is too hard. Well, who really <laughs> writes an iambic pentameter anymore anyway? A what? <laughs> do people still write in that? Of course deliberately they do. That aren't like scholars? That's just a natural way to write. <laughs> like, I shall never see a poem pretty as a tree. Why not? Why wouldn't you say that? I, I had a teacher that said that, that that it's not supposed to be that tight. Like I am, but pentameters like guidelines, but you don't want to like really take it to its extreme. Like I don't, I don't hmm. know. Huh. That was my literary analysis teacher that said that. Huh? And you still remember it? Of course I do. Remember the most useless things sometimes. <laughs> no kidding. Isn't that the truth? I was trying to remember the name of, of a poem I was looking for earlier, and I had to recite the whole thing to myself till I got to the line that had the title in it. And th- then that was the end. <laughs> Fortunately, I remembered it all, but so I couldn't remember could just the title. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Oh, are you writing? No. No, I'm looking at haiku because I really want to know now. No, it's not. <laughs> the essence of haiku is cutting, often represented by the juxtaposition of two images or ideas and a cutting word between them, a kind of verbal punctuation mark, which signals the moment of separation in colors, the manner in which the juxtaposed elements are related. And that's all there is to it. Uh, Yeah. At least according to Wikipedia, it doesn't have other specific things that it has to be. 
Let's see, in this it says, it is a mood poem, and it doesn't use any metaphors or similes. What? Really? Usually when a haiku is taught, the students are only given a restriction. Of course, this might be limited to this education program. I don't know, what is this website? <laughs> www.edu.pe.ca It's Canadian. Sounds sketchy to me. Yeah, yeah. It does. Supposed to believe everything you read on the internet, and the Canadians might do it differently than we do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> haiku, you know, haiku in Canada. Home. I yeah, I can imagine it's a whole different thing. <laughs> so a lot of my poems that I brought were either kids things or they were things I remember from when I was a kid. Oh, yes. So okay. yeah. So the one I couldn't remember the title of was Robert Louis Stevenson's The Land of Counterpane. That sounds familiar. It's from a childhood book of treasures or something like that, that, mm-hmm. that I had a little book of poet, Robert Louis Stevenson poems when I was a kid. And it's about this little boy who, I mean, it's about his experience being a sickly child. And he talks about lying in bed and having his little toy soldiers and his little toys that he put all over his bed covers and made a whole world out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How long is it? Um, it's four stanzas. It's not very long at all. Would you like to read it? I would love to read it. We would love to hear it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Great. Sure. The Land of Counterpain by Robert Louis Stevenson. When I was sick and lay abed, I had two pillows at my head, and all my toys beside me lay to keep me happy all the day. And sometimes for an hour or so, I watched my leaden soldiers go with different uniforms and drills among the bedclothes through the hills, and sometimes sent my ships in fleets all up and down among the sheets, or brought my trees and houses out and planted cities all about. I was the giant, great and still, that sits upon the pillow hill, and sees before him dale and plain the pleasant land of counterpane. Hmm. Thank I you, like Robert it. Louis Stevenson. That was a good poem. Okay. And you memorized that. I did. So did you memorize it because you just read it so many times? Or did you how did you memorize it? Uh, yes, that is exactly how I memorized it. I mm-hmm. just read it over and over because I liked it and then learned it. And it came in handy because at some point when I was in school, I had to memorize a poem and recite it. And mm-hmm. you're like, done. done. <laughs> <laughs> that was an easy assignment. Yeah, it really was. It was. Robert Frost. Mm-hmm. Is it, it's, like, is it, it's like a stereotype or cliche to like Robert Frost, right? I do like Robert Frost, though. Yeah? Yeah. Do you or do you not? Well, the only reason I brought him up is because I remember the poem, <clears throat> The Road Not Taken. Mm-hmm. And I remember that one being, like the imagery in that one being very memorable. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite Robert Frost poem, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, it long? Uh, yes. Four stanzas. I, I think it's... It's long for me. It's not long. It's not like the it's Iliad. Not, yeah, it's, it's not, not like <laughs> Edgar Allan <laughs> It's not the Raven. It's not any of those. Why are you saying I should read it? I'm not saying anything, Chris. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so you, while we're pondering on whether you're going to read it, um, <laughs> Randall Thompson was a mid-20th century composer in the United States. And he set, he actually was commissioned by the city of Amherst, Massachusetts to compose a piece for their centennial, mm-hmm. bicentennial, maybe bicentennial. I think it was bicentennial, 1959. And Robert Frost is from that area. So he decided to set choral pieces with originally with piano accompaniment to seven Robert Frost poems Hmm. and it was interesting because what he ended up doing was um, three of them were mixed chorus but the other four were men and then women 
because the men's chorus and the women's chorus were rehearsing separately for this event. They had very little time to rehearse together, so he, he composed it that way. But um, the, the poems he used included The Road Not Taken and Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, which is another you know of his really famous, and then Choose Something Like a Star. Those are the three really well-known ones, I think. But anyway, it That's was just cool. a fun thing. And mm -hmm. we... Um, Actually, with the Denton Bach Choir last fall, we did a whole concert of American composers, and we did that whole set of Frostiana. Mm. I'd never done that whole thing before. I'd done pieces out of it, but never done the whole thing. So hmm, that's cool. it was really fun. And since I like Robert Frost poetry, it was particularly fun. Anyway. Well, I think the thing with poetry is that, I mean, you have to be concise in your wording. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to write about what you know and what you feel, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Chris is looking at me like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this poem and it's <laughs> I don't know anything about this stuff. Which goes back to the whole thing of what did the author mean when he wrote this? Well, you don't necessarily know that, but it's how you feel when you read it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just uh, looking at this one poem right now called Lemonade Stand. Every summer under the shade, we fix up a stand to sell lemonade. Where does that take you? That's the question teachers should be asking. <laughs> Where does this poem take you? I mean, like, what do you see when you hear that? Yeah. yeah. What do you smell? What do you, what do you taste? What do so, you hear? What's and obviously, on? being an adult, I had, did I ever have, a, no, I didn't have a lemonade stand, but we had um, a little bake stand. Really? Did. Yeah. Me and my friend, we would bake cakes and stuff, and we would take them over and we would sell them at the store. Huh. Wow. Right? <laughs> so that's what I think of. Hmm. That's cool. So we have a lot of children's books mm -hmm. or children's poetry mm -hmm. that sure are super fun. Like, um, this one here that I'm reading is You and Me, Poems of Friendship, selected and illustrated by Sally Mavor. Mavor? Um, Shel Silverstein, who mm -hmm. is one of my favorites because they're just fun and silly. Mm -hmm. And for kids, I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Jack um, Proletsky is another one of those who does yes. fun and silly. I brought one of his in too. He's... Um, He's done some collections of not just his own, but some uh -huh. other people. But he's also done some that are fun, just him. Yeah. And he's one of those that kind of does silly things sometimes. Kind of like different sort of silly than Shel Silverstein. But yeah. Yeah. But I think those are the kind of things that you need to read to your kids so that they can get interested in poetry mm -hmm. and not be afraid of poetry and realize they can write about silly things right. and whatever they want to write about. Right. Um, so when they learn about poetry in school, it's easier. Mm -hmm. I think there's not a lot of background knowledge for kids right? to draw from when uh, they start studying poetry. Mm -hmm. And so that probably makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. When I teach children's lit, that's one of the things that I try to convince these upcoming teachers to do is just, you know, read a poem every morning just for fun. Uh -huh. Put a poem up on the board every day just for fun you know there's no assignment there's no requirement mm -hmm. it's just there and it's fun yeah and then when you get to your unit of poetry they have all this fun experience to draw on to go from there so yeah that's what i love about magnetic poetry kids mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. those are fun we have one of those at my house for christmas mm -hmm. and um then my daughter has a shakespeare one and we just, they're both, you know, up there, and it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. You know, and, and you're not stuck with it. You don't get an F because you did something wrong. You know, there's 
there's no obligation. Mm-hmm. There's no penalty for doing it this way as opposed to that way. It's all free and open. I love it. Yeah. We're all poets. And we didn't know it. <laughs> and their feet don't show it. No, wait a minute. And your face don't show it, but your feet do. Because they're Longfellows. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have never heard the rest of that. You have Never it? in my life. My mama taught me that. <laughs> For real? For real. Huh. Yeah, what did you say? We're poets and we didn't know it. And your face don't show it. But your feet do, because they're Longfellows. so great I like it (laughs) that's really so I noticed that no one brought in I haiku you no no one did is that a university no (laughs) that's a that's a a book in your collection Don (laughs) By uh, Betsy E. Snyder. It's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I missed just... Missed opportunity. It missed opportunity. Well, tell <laughs> us about it. It's not a university. <laughs> we'll make that clear. It's just a cute little book that has, like, different little haikus throughout it. Mm-hmm. And the illustrations are adorable. And there are some really neat collections out there for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them... Ah, there's a little series, and and one of them in that series is something about poetry and hip-hop or poetry and blues and poetry and some other kind of music. And, and it's really about how poetry and song lyrics are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was most song lyrics are poetry. Yeah. Like, do you consider song, like, lyrics to songs like poetry? Sure. Sure. In fact, my daughter, um, at one time, she was, when she was in high school, she did a spoken word presentation or something. Not spoken word, as in she's making it up extemporaneously. But um, for her poetry, she chose Bob Dylan songs. And she had to get special permission to use them because they weren't on the list. Mm-hmm. But she got the permission to use them. Hmm. And it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Hmm. So did you finish writing? Yeah, I wrote a poem. It's a haiku. Is it? Yeah, it's about this <clears throat> this dude. Go. Oh, the, the dude. dude. So are you going to tell us about the dude dude first? I don't know know anything about this guy. (laughs) Describe him. Don't show us. (laughs) First first of all, we're on audio here. Oh, y'all can't see this? Denise um, made some cards and put them in the library with pictures on them as a prompt. Yes, they're picture prompts. So um, Chris grabbed one. and Denise really wanted me to write about this one. Yeah, because it's hilarious. It's a dude... Like kind of like he looks kind of like a hipster type dude with a handlebar, handlebar mustache, and he's just he's got the, holding this mirror up to his face, and, and it's just like enamored with his image. Yeah, he seems very much in love with himself. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. So I wrote a haiku based on this picture. Okay. And it goes like this: My mustachios, a glorious symmetry, mirrored perfection. Is that not a haiku? Pretty sure I counted right. <laughs> Record. I mean, rewind. <laughs> oh, man. Is that? No, that's seven. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where, where are you dubious, Pat? Read that last line. Mirrored perfection. Mirrored. It's two I syllables. You said I mere up. perfection. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh no. Okay. Yes, she doesn't believe you about the seven. But that's okay because <laughs> you yes, didn't it read it as seven. You read it as six. Didn't she use the word glorious? Yeah, glorious. You read it glorious. 
Glorious. <laughs> Is that not three syllables? Glorious. Is that a two-syllable word? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. The way you read it, <laughs> it's okay. Thanks. That ta- way to take the wind out of my mustachios. Wait a- <laughs> okay. All right. The... The fact that read, read the fact your that haiku glorious for us, was the the point of contention and not mustachios. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's definitely for. <laughs> oh no. Okay, I'll read it again. My mustachios, a glorious, glorious, <laughs> glorious. My mustachios. A glorious symmetry, mirrored perfection. <laughs> uh, make sure to add the extra. Fantastic, Chris. The extra. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's great. It's fantastic. You have permission to do whatever you want with this and put my name on it. Put your name all over yeah, it. You do whatever you want. Just don't try to make any money off of it. <laughs> Are you going to come after me? Unless I'm, Are you I'm getting... Are you going to come at me? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get your cat. Right? That's right. <laughs> okay, well, I brought some Langston Hughes. I know that guy. You know him personally? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, anybody who came to trivia... Yeah. We all know Langston Hughes, too. knows Langston Hughes as well. In fact, that poem is in this collection right here. Poetry for young people. Poetry Langston for young Hughes. people. Langston Hughes includes the poem Harlem about dreams. Or does it explode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite though is My People. The night is beautiful, so the faces of my people. The stars are beautiful, so the eyes of my people. Beautiful also is the sun. Beautiful also are the souls of my people. There's, I think there's a, there's a book that's just that poem, and it's full of like little mosaic photographs mm-hmm. of people from mm-hmm. across the cultural and ethnic spectrum of our country, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway. Probably is. It makes sense. Just really nice. Just remembering a lot of poems that I read in school now. Mm-hmm. Because you don't read much poetry now, just on your own? No, I'm afraid I do not. It's not really my... Yeah, I don't either. My thing. I really don't. I do. Yeah. Denise, I know you're a fan. Yeah. And, and you delve into what it means, don't you? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... What's the point otherwise? Uh, (laughs) All right, so I want you to listen to this poem, and I want you to tell me what it means. Ooh. (laughs) Is it it Shel Silverstein? (laughs) No, this one's Jack Perlutsky. So it's titled, You Need to Have an Iron Rear. Okay? You need to have an iron rear to sit upon a cactus, or otherwise, at least a year of very painful practice. What does that mean? Why would you want to do that? It means like, don't the sit on a cactus. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. That's <laughs> the purpose. It makes you laugh. So it sounds like it was very like a very purpose sitting on a cactus. <laughs> like, why would you do that? <laughs> because you're a risk taker, and you want your problem solver, and you try to come up with solutions for sticky. Thorny problem. <laughs> yeah. So problem See, solver. I can do this. That is a very um, great thing for kids to know right yeah. now is problem solving. Right. You know, and, and uh, critical thinking. So. Is an, is an iron rear like a symbol for. For what? For <laughs> like. For death. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> is like a symbol for something like resolve or look it up in the poetry symbols are us website <laughs> is 
that a dot com or a dot edu or I I think it's, it's got to be a dot com. <laughs> they got to be out to make money. Otherwise, why would they be there? <laughs> Otherwise, so, a year of painful practice. Uh huh. Like you have to practice, practice doing it until it's gonna hurt until for it doesn't a year. hurt anymore. <laughs> like until you get a calloused rear or something. I don't know. The sea, that's very deep. Is it? <laughs> yeah. It is. Thinking about it too hard. No, I mean, you have to think about poetry and really, you know, why did they pick these words? Why did he say iron instead of steel? And why did he say rear instead of bottom? But. <laughs> you don't want to say but in children's stuff because that's <gasps> a bad word. They would laugh and laugh and laugh. They would want to recite that poem everywhere. (laughs) Exactly, they would. You know, probably they want to recite this one just because it's the word they're allowed to say that means but. So, there you go. But, but, but it wouldn't rhyme. You need to have an iron but to sit upon a cactus, or otherwise at least a year month no <laughs> i don't know what rhymes with butt yeah <laughs> hmm. mutt or otherwise at least a mutt no that doesn't work <laughs> i think rear was the appropriate word <laughs> so too yeah we won't go any farther with that okay see more snorkel well, what? <laughs> so, Denise, I know you were concerned about making sure that we get some Walt Whitman in. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was so concerned. <laughs> I, I remember Walt Whitman, Whitman. It was one of the ones that I remember. You remember Walt Whitman? I remembered it when you were... yours, huh? Oh. <laughs> I, yes. I haven't seen him in so long. I just know, <laughs> yeah, I just I know all these people. Well, okay? sure. Of course you do. The song of myself, I remember Yeah. Well, so he had, I Hear America Singing was Walt Whitman's. And Langston Hughes, in his experience, wrote, I too sing America. And then wrote about his experience and, mm-hmm. you know, experiences of, as an African-American person. Here's the poem. It's not very long, so I'm going to read it. I, too, sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, am America. Yes, I remember that one. I do. Uh-huh. I wrote a, I wrote a, like a, a paper, a, a paper, paper <laughs> on that one. Interpreting it, I bet. Yes. Yes. Analyzing. Oh, so, so tell me what your interpretation was because I have mine. That you know, that's the first time I've ever heard it. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Let me see. <laughs> you really, you really want me to? Want me to do this? Let's Heck see. yeah! On the spot. Poetry analysis. Yeah, I think we, we read a lot it. of we read a lot of Langston Hughes and and other African American poetry in one of the literature classes I took. So I um, I remember really taking to to some of this and trying to figure out what what it meant. And I think I was my interpretation was that it was kind of prophetic. Because of the time when it was written. Mm-hmm. When it was it written? 1920? Yeah, 1924. Yeah. Before the, you know, before we had a strong civil rights movement and mm-hmm. everything. And I thought it was it was very prophetic that he wrote this, saying that, you know, one day I'm going to eat at the table too and I'll be, be beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, not not just accepted, but yeah. will thrive. Yeah. So, that was... I'm sure there's a lot we're more to it. We're working on it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. Yes. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that when I wrote the paper. 
But just looking <laughs> at the it, paper was longer. Than yes, <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember yeah. that that was the gist of it. Yeah. So it was prophetic, but he didn't. He. It's it's easy for me to sit and say, I mean, because that's kind of what I thought about mm-hmm. is. You know, I was thinking 60s civil rights ah, movement, okay. that kind of thing, when I was listening to it. And um, for him to have written that so long ago, so long before mm-hmm. that was really even um, happening mm-hmm. a lot in our culture, um, you know, it just makes you wonder what he was. I don't know. It's just, but it's the same thing. I mean, other than being prophetic and, you know, that kind of thing, I was thinking it was the same thing. So it's not well, like it's, there was a true deeper. Because, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that he was trying to be a prophet, but he was a visionary. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was seeing a future that was different than the present. In, you know, in how people of color would be treated. So. You know, it, I, I don't know that he, that he thought it would really happen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he could see a future that was different. It was a hope. Right. Mm-hmm. Do we have any well-known poets that are living? Like young and... Yes. Okay. Why, yes. Why, yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Why, yes, we do. So here in the library, not really. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's like three or four collections that we have that are. Can I just say in my defense, nobody checks them out. Except for me. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But we have uh, Wade in the Water by Tracy K. Smith, who is the U.S. Poet Laureate. Okay. Um, And... She actually has a podcast called The Slowdown, hmm. which is really interesting because it's like each episode's five minutes long mm-hmm. and she picks a poem. She tells you about it, why she chose it, and then she reads it. Hmm. Okay. It's very interesting. And um, five minutes, you know, and it's, it's great. And she picks all kinds of different poems, including, including Walt Whitman. <laughs> 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 but so not just like new... Or yeah, obscure poets. Or hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I don't think I've heard her read any of her poetry. Oh. It seems like she focuses mainly on other people. So her book here, Wade in the Water, is that like a novel in verse, nope. or is it's it a just collection separate? of poetry? Okay. Um, one of the m- most interesting parts, I think it's the f- was it the first part or second part? It's Broken up into different four parts. And I think the second part of it, she takes um, letters from the Civil War. um, And she... Takes parts of it from what they have written and makes a poem Hmm. out of it. Hmm. Um, and it's super fascinating and sad. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain parts in here that it's just so sad. Um, but she, it's a very fascinating idea. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, and most of it is really, really great. So when you read poetry, do you read it like a book and just keep reading? Mm-hmm. Or do you read one and then ponder it? It depends. Depends yeah. on the poem. Because if the poem was really impactful, mm-hmm. I'll stop and I'll think about it. And I'll probably read it more than once. Mm-hmm. But typically I'll just read through it. Hmm. We do have The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. And that's a book in verse. Mm-hmm. That, was a, that was a National Book Award winner, a Prince Medal winner, and a Poor Bell Prey Award mm-hmm. winner. So... Children, teen, adults, mm-hmm. all across the board. And she's also written a new one, but I don't remember what it is. It's it's either just come out or it's coming it's out. It's coming out. I think it's okay. coming in. Next month. Okay. I think it was like May 19th or something like that. Yeah, there, 
there are several uh, people, well-known people who have done novels in verse. David Levithan, mm-hmm. Kwame Alexander, mm-hmm. um, Catherine Applegate, Jacqueline Woodson. Walter Dean Myers wrote a novel in verse. I didn't even know that. It's called Street Love. Hmm. I did not know he wrote that. So I couldn't get into Kwame Alexander's book, Crossover. It was like about basketball, and I was not interested. Yeah. But the book Hideous Love oh, yeah. about Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. um, that was fascinating. I really like that. Yeah, we have that one, and we have another mm-hmm. one by that same author, um, and she did one about the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, yes, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. have not read that one yet. I want to no. read that one. What was her name? I can't remember what it was either. By the same, it was the same author. I think her last name was like Hemp something. Stephanie Hemphill. Yes. Yeah. Just a quick little list here of books of poetry that you can definitely order through Interlibrary Loan because that's how I got all of them. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Bright Dead Things and The Carrying by Ada Limon. Corazon by Jessica Salgado. Citizen Illegal by Jose Olivares. Beast Meridian by Vanessa. Angelica Villarreal, When the Ghosts Come Ashore by Jackie Germain, When My Brother Was an Aztec by Natalie Diaz, and Insert Boy by Denez Smith. These are all excellent mm. books that cover a vast, just a whole different aspect of many different viewpoints okay. and experiences. Also, there's Warsan Shira. And she is of Beyonce fame. She was featured in Lemonade. Oh, my goodness. Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Everything Hmm. you just said just went. (laughs) (laughs) Now can I talk about true crime? Let me let me throw out the title of that Salem Witch Trials one. It's Wicked Girls. Yes. The title of the Salem Witch Trial. And I just I just want to throw out another couple of children's people that I that I ran across. Nikki Grimes is an African-American, and she's got a book, Come Sunday, which is all about getting up on Sunday morning and going to church with her family and singing in the choir and all those things. So go ahead. Okay, well, first of all, I want to mention that Agatha Christie has two <clears throat> collections of poetry really? out there in the world. Yeah. Uh, Road of Dreams, which was published in January of 1925. And Poems, which was published in October of 1973. Hmm. Hmm. So. Have you read any of them? No, I just found out about them. Okay. I was like, what? I got the Christie. Yeah. (laughs) But she wrote more than just murder mysteries, y'all. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I don't know if we can find them somewhere out there. I'm sure they're out there on the internet now. Floating around. Um. Project Gutenberg may have them. Oh yeah. So let's see if. Hmm. Uh, oh, sorry. Here, yes, here we are. Um, I'm gonna do a search right now on. Well, while you're searching, can yeah, I throw out the other one yes. that I just remembered? Yes. Uh, it is Nikki Giovanni, who um, actually teaches poetry, I believe, at Virginia Tech. Well, she did. When the Virginia Tech shootings happened mm-hmm. back in whenever that was, 2007. Um, and actually, the young man who committed those shootings had been a student in her class. Mm-hmm. And she had gone to the dean and said, he is mean and menacing, and I want him out of my class or I will resign. And she said, as soon as she heard about the shootings, she thought of him. Mm. Wow. Yeah. But then she was asked to speak at the convocation that they had the next day and this is what she wrote to to speak that day we know we did nothing to deserve it but neither does a child in africa dying of aids neither do the invisible children walking the night awake to avoid being captured by a rogue army neither does the baby elephant watching his community being devastated for ivory neither does the mexican child looking for fresh water we are virginia tech we will prevail. In less than 24 hours, she came up with that to say. So 
that was kind of cool. But yeah, she's done um, poetry books for both adults and children, I think. So anyway, lots of things to Langston Hughes Medal and NAACP Image mm-hmm. Award winner. She's She won a Grammy for a poetry album she did. So anyway. A that's the other person I album. Like, yeah. Like a spoken word. <clears throat> yeah. I think cool. Hmm. Those are fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's the poet reading their own mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. They can read it the way it's meant to be read. Yeah, no kidding. And they could even tell you what it means. They could if they wanted to, but <laughs> they usually don't want to tell you that. Yeah, what it means right. to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the other great thing about poetry is that, yeah, maybe there are, this is what this symbol usually means, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, but it only means that in certain contexts. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming from a different culture or whatever, it may mean something very different. Mm-hmm. And so if you bring to poetry any experience of life whatsoever, you interpret it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. Poetry and I have a back and forth relationship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all these are fairly old, but they're hilarious. So now, uh, you, true crime. Uh huh. Now, um, are they written by? The oh no, no 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 no! Or they're about? These are poets uh-huh. that are criminals. Okay, oh. that's what I would, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to but they're pretty out. hilarious. Like none of this really seems like. I don't think there's like a like a murder in here or anything like that. Didn't we have <laughs> they're a pretty funny <laughs> BTK killer? Didn't he write poetry? He did write poetry, and it was awful. <laughs> Not even worth including. What did you oh say? Gosh. Crushed velvet, black or black crushed velvet wearing. Goth poet. Yeah, not, goth not even poet. like bad emo. Yeah, it's awful, awful stuff. <laughs> Not even because it's about murder. <laughs> it was just terrible. <laughs> so in 1903, according to the Los Angeles Times, a mysterious man appeared near a schoolhouse in California. The teacher locked the schoolhouse door, but the man attempted to climb through a window. The local sheriff and his posse tried to capture the man, but he disappeared into the nearby woods. A few days later, the man showed up at the office of the small local newspaper and offered the editor a lot of poetry, mostly on spring. (laughs) The editor declined, but the man sent his unsolicited verse to the San Francisco call. They also passed, causing the man to return again into the realm of poets, the wild woods. (laughs) He lived in the woods, (laughs) y'all. Wow. A few years later, Arthur A. Belia, a Boston poet, was arrested for selling his work door to door. <laughs> the police door poet. The police told him he had to get a license from the Board of Health for selling the poem, just the same as if he was peddling vegetables or fish. Because <laughs> both can spoil after too long, right? <laughs> In 1951, U.S. Air Force Private James Alphonsus Harvey was a 23-year-old Brooklyn poet with two self-published books, The Interior Darkness and The Sun and the Spectrum. Harvey contacted the mother of Stefan Olson, a child actor, and attempted to extort $1,000 from her, claiming that he would kidnap her son. Didn't kidnap her son. Was all, give me $1,000 and I won't kidnap your son. How's that for leverage? <laughs> the FBI captured Harvey before he could do anything, I guess. And he admitted to the crime and claimed he wanted the money for an operation to improve the shape of his nose. <laughs> uh. In 1958, a Virginia man known as The Poet was wanted for questioning following a string of robberies, including a liquor store, a pharmacy, and even the Washington Post stereotype foreman. After the newspaper published a story about their accosted employee, The Poet sent the office some light verse, which concluded, The moral of this poem is, if you like to save your bread, be more careful or you'll be dead. (laughs) Huh. And the moral is a poem as well, apparently. 
1927, John W. Kearney was described as a burglar, forger, safe cracker, arch bigamist, poet, musician, and prize fighter. Just a plain old bigamist. Oh no, no, yeah, an arch, arch bigamist. <laughs> but also a poet, musician, and a prize fighter. Held in a San Francisco jail, admitted ten simultaneous marriages. Mm. <laughs> wow. Uh, claiming women are easy. I meet them at church, parties, dances, any kind of social gathering. Then I would sing to them, talk poetry, love them, and they were mine. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Just a minute. I'm still picking my jaw up off the floor. <laughs> okay. Anyway. The, the ten? Ten marriages? Yeah. yeah isn't there, isn't there a new word? Like, because bigamist means two. Arch bigamist. Yeah, that's I got the, that. But, that's, that that's where the arch. That's where the arch. That's what you change the name for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or, I didn't know that there bigamist, would be. Trigamist. Now, my, my <laughs> whole thing is like. Women are easy. <laughs> yeah. You just have to play them some music and they're yours. Wow. Well, and apparently read some poetry to them. Talk poetry. Talk poetry to them. <laughs> okay. An archbigamist. Wow. <laughs> Things we learn. Let's see. In 1927, three men stole poet Edna St. Vincent Millay's new roadster from outside a friend's home. The men swiped the car so they could drive to... A new, new Dorp beach bungalow to spend the weekend. Hmm. Still her car. But this one, the headline was, Biting Bunny Bites Poet. <laughs> <laughs> Run away. Okay. <laughs> February 20th, 1914, the New York Times reported that Peter... Uh, Peter Rabbit. <laughs> yes, it is Peter, a uh, militant rabbit belonging to the town's congressional minister, Marled Josiah Dwight Whitney, the unofficial poet laureate of Hayworth, New Jersey, who was walking home from the train station. <laughs> he gnarled him. Gnarled him. Wow. That's awesome. Oh. The oh, poet, scared and sulking, did not retaliate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Here comes Peter. <laughs> a mean rabbit. A militant. A militant <laughs> rabbit. I can just see that look on I'm, his face. I'm just imagining Monty Python's attack rabbit. Right? Yes. Just coming right. at you. Mm. So there you go. There's some poets, man. Wow. Good stuff. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw out one more thing, and that is Typewriter Rodeo. I can't remember if we've talked about them on the podcast before. Mm-mm, I don't think um, so. This is a group of people who travel around. I don't know how far afield they go. I think they started in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're still working on trying to get them up here for something. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Um, but it's a group of people who are poets and they travel around with their vintage typewriters and will sit down at an event and you just walk up and give them a, a word or a phrase, a topic, and they will create a poem right there on their typewriter for you. And they, That's some fast thinking. It is. And they, made, they put together a book. It's called Typewriter Rodeo, Real People, Real Stories, Custom Poems. Jody Edgerton, David Fruchter, Carrie Ann Holt, and Sean Petrie. And it came out last year in, I don't know when, sometime in 2018. And um, spring, I think, late spring. But anyway, they've got this book out of custom poems that they've written over the years. And they do events. So we'll, we're going to keep working to see if we can get them here. That'd be cool. Typewriter rodeo. Thinking on your feet. Mm -hmm. Here we go. And and that reminds me that spoken word artists are just amazing people because, you know, Mm -hmm. to just come up with stuff on the fly, it's just amazing. Kind of like freestyle rappers. Freestyle Mm -hmm. rappers. They're pretty pretty good at that, too. Yeah. Improv. Mm Mm-hmm. So it, 
Well, you know, it's interesting because we were just talking today about, you know, programming next year. And one of the suggestions was spoken word artists. And we're just a little fearful about that in a unless we make it like friendly a setting or unless we say it, yeah, situation. unless we do an adults only program because a lot of those people don't filter, you know, right. they just say what comes to mind. And so you never know what's going to come to mind. Okay. One, one more quick shout out to our, one of our local, local-ish, local-ish? Logan Cure. She came to our uh, same page book festival. Yeah. Last 2018, time. same page book festival. Yep. Wonderful stuff. Look her up. She's out there on the internet. She is. What's the title of the collection you've got there? Uh, Letters to Petrarch. Yeah. But I know she's got a couple others Mm -hmm. out there, and I believe she's working on something new. Okay. Yeah. Logan was a lot of fun. Yeah. She was really nice. We liked her. Yeah. And she's a great poet. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. Okay. Okay. I think we're done. I think it's just... I think so. Been the long overdue podcast. 